1: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado
0: Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a podcast by Purple Row, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, here in all my glory, joined always by non-jerk people visiting Coors Field. Evan Lang, I try at least. That's good, as well as Mac Wilcox.
2: Yeah, bask in my glory like Keith Lee, and uh, yeah, we all I think conduct ourselves pretty pretty solidly. Uh, when we we're uh, out and about, maybe not when the podcast is uh, pre-recording, I think we conduct ourselves a little differently, but in in, in public, we're pretty good about it. Just
1: nothing but profanity. <laughs> I wake up every morning, and I am just so thankful that I am not Zach Hample. And there, there it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no
2: metaphors, no similes here.
0: Yeah, so if you didn't hear as this Friday morning as we record, that was kind of making the rounds on the Twitter-verse. Of known ball hawk Zach Hampel uh, posted, I guess, a 20 minute video about his fan experience between the visiting Coors Field. It was between, the, I guess, the Cardinals and Rockies game. And he got yelled at by an usher because he was trying to go into an area where he shouldn't have to try and get a foul or get a home run ball. And then he was complaining because they were telling him to go back to his seat. Ridiculous. Ridiculous stuff. So, boys and girls. Be good people when you're at a baseball game and be nice to others. Facts. Pretty much all we can say. Anywho's how you guys been? It's kinda of been it's been a week for the Rockies. Uh I haven't paid much attention to it, mostly because I can't watch it. Watch games and <laughs> sometimes I just don't like sitting there listening on the radio while I'm doing stuff.
1: <laughs> so how's it been going for yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> a week is a good way to describe it.
2: Yeah. Um, it's been, you know, just one of those uh, road trip deals. Um, they, uh, yeah, it's been a week.
0: They got whooped up on by the Rangers in one game, mm-hmm. and then oddly enough, we're quite competitive against Jacob Degrom, despite mm-hmm. striking out a ton. But
1: they did hit a home run in that game.
2: A ton. Yep. Uh, hey, they beat the Rangers that one game though. That was pretty cool.
1: The Mets game last night was tough because, honestly, everybody pitched pretty solidly. Like, uh, Feltner only went, I think, four and two-thirds, but he only gave up three runs. And the bullpen kept the game scoreless the rest of the day. Justin Lawrence has been looking great recently. Uh, Jake Bird also had a good outing. It's frustrating because... You know, it was sort of a foregone conclusion that the road Rockies, one of the worst road teams in baseball, were going up against a Hall of Famer in Jacob deGrom. Sort of a foregone conclusion that that game was lost. And it's a bummer because the pitching for the Rockies was actually not that bad. Mm -hmm. But the offense was. Yep. Well, I mean, that was the same thing with with the Rangers' blowout is... Uh, Jose Ureña was... Like, I can't miss words about it. In his start, he was terrible. In, like, an inning and a third, he gave up nine runs. And I I believe that's the franchise record for most runs given up in shortest amount of time. But then the bullpen, for the most part, really held it down. Austin Gomber pitched, like, five innings of scoreless work while giving up only one hit. And that's really promising for him because Gomber's been really struggling this year. Mm -hmm. But... The Rockies seem to get blown out a lot, and so that's not a lot of fun. And then, you know, going into City Field last night against the Mets, and you knew before the game even started that we were going to lose. Like, um, I didn't follow the game. I chose instead to watch terrible preseason football.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you
2: got to pick your battle sometimes. Exactly. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Pick your poison, as it were. Yep. As it were. Has, doesn't it seem like this season sp- particularly that we keep getting these weird, like, franchise records or these weird, like, historical moments against the Rockies or that the Rockies it are weird, doing? Be-
2: yeah, like, it's it's really strange because, like, the Rockies, like, you know, and we'll talk about it here in a second, but, like, their record's going to show that they, if they, depending on how they finish the rest of the season, they could end up as, like, one of the top, like, or I guess bottom five teams Record wise in their history. And so, like, you've always got these, like, weird, like, you know, records or near records. Like, we had in the Rangers game, we had, I think it was, was it Adelise Garcia was, like, a double away from a cycle or, like, a base hit away from a cycle or something? Nathan was, Lowe, uh, then,
1: Nathaniel Lowe was a double away from the cycle.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, so, like, he was a, almost on a cycle watch and, like, not too long ago Albert Pujols was on a cycle watch against the Rockies and like
0: as well as Yadier Molina and Nolan Arenado Yeah, Yadier
2: Molina Yeah, dude, like it's just like you know, you're constantly uh, and then like DeGrom had a perfect game through the first like four or five innings last night, you know what I mean? Like it's just like there are these constant you know, mm-hmm. it seems like every other week there's just like, "Okay, let's like not be on the wrong side of history, please." <laughs> <Yeah>. Like
0: who's <laughs> putting up a historical
1: know. performance? Totally. This is this has been a year where I wouldn't have been surprised if we had gotten no hit by sure. somebody, mm-hmm. and we've sure. come close a couple times. And last night I was like, "Oh boy, is tonight going to be the night?" Since we're mm-hmm. facing Jacob DeGrom, but you know, it's we talked about it last week. Is that this has not been. In comparison to other Rockies teams, other bad Rockies teams, this has not been a particularly fun or exciting bad Rockies team to watch. Mm -hmm. We're like... And that's just, I feel like that's just going to continue throughout the rest of this season. Um, Or at the very least until September call-ups when they give us something interesting to talk about.
0: If they give us something interesting to talk about.
1: Because we can never
0: assume,
1: unfortunately. It's true. But. Yeah, they're going to expand the rosters to 28, and then we're going to call back up like, Ty Block and Ashton Godot. Yep. Yeah.
0: It's whatever at this point. But let's keep rolling into things. Uh, some interesting news where Chet Cool finally comes off the injured list, back healthy, had a good rehab start last Saturday. Uh, so last week, good rehab start, still kicking around, finally brought back off the injured list. And as a result, Robert Stevenson, the big part of the Jeff Hoffman trade, has been designated for assignment. See if he gets picked up by somebody, if he heads to the minor loose, or if he just becomes a free agent outright. But bye-bye, Bob Stevenson.
2: This is a weird thing because um, I don't necessarily... Like, obviously... Stevenson has not pitched very well in Iraqis uniform especially this year and especially recently this year uh his August was pretty brutal respectfully um he had at one point uh four straight appearances where he allowed at least one earned run in an inning pitched and he has made eight appearances in August and he has allowed at least one earned run in six of them um you know it's it's one of those things where the Rockies don't exactly need like a shutdown lights out bullpen right now like they're not that kind of team at this point of the season at this point in their uh you know realignment and redevelopment but at the same mm-hmm. time like he's just had a really rough season in general um, there's never really been a time where he's been able to put together like multiple really clean outings i think maybe july was probably his like best month um where there was a point where he had like you know uh like a 5 inning scoreless streak but you know he still pitched to a 3.95 earned run average in uh in July and I know like earned run average there's a lot that goes into that and I get that but yeah he he just hasn't had a very um effective stint in Colorado unfortunately you know he's going to end his 2022 season with a six uh over 6 earned run average in his 44 and two-thirds innings. Um, so, you know, the, I think the thing that's really interesting about the the move for Stevenson more than anything, um, with respect to him, of course, is the fact that the Rockies cleared a 40-man roster spot. And that's fascinating to me because it's almost like you didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't necessarily a move that had to happen. So what does that mean? Who is going to get added to that 40-man roster spot? Is there a name that we haven't seen yet, you know, that could be added and potentially potentially make a September call-up. Like, I don't know. Um, so that's the only thing of it, you know, as far as the designating for assignment and the removal of Stevenson from a major league team, it's tough, but I get it. But that 40-man roster spot situation, that's what kind of sticks out to me about this situation.
1: Definitely. And, and with September call-ups really looming, so on September 1st, rosters expand to 28. Um, and I think... This is a pretty clear move that the Rockies plan to move somebody to the 40-man roster. Otherwise, you're not going to clear off that spot. Um, It's also tough because of the way that they've mismanaged the options of several players. So, like, Ryan Feltner and Justin Lawrence are both... uh, I believe they only have one option left. And so, if you option them again, then you call them up. You cannot option them again for the rest of the season until they are... Um, until the next calendar year takes over. Otherwise, you have to designate them for assignment. And so I don't disagree with, with DFAing Bob Stevenson. It's really tough because he actually had a really solid season last year. Uh, 3.13 ERA in 49 appearances and in 46 innings. Uh, FIP of 3.63 and a WHIP of uh, 1.304. That's a really solid season in Rockies uniform. But he struggled before with the Reds. Uh, he's had multiple uh, seasons with the Reds where he had an ERA over nine, and this has been a really bad year for him, where his ERA has only been below four, uh, below five, like a handful of times this entire season. And the last time it was below five was it ticked down to four eighty nine towards the end of July and then has just skyrocketed back up so now he's at the 604 and he's got, you know, the the 467 fip which is not great but i would argue that before stevenson who is uh, 29 is the clear choice to be designated probably would have been unfortunately jolis chassin who has just really really had a difficult year struggled with injuries struggled with his pitching in general, Jocene has an ERA of eight. He has a FIP of four ninety five and an ERA of and uh, sorry a WHIP of one point six. He had his first outing back since returning from the injured list and really, really, really struggled with locating the ball and with just giving up tons of meatballs. Gave up. Uh, this was at the tail end of the of the Texas Rangers game the other day, where it's a no pressure situation. It's sixteen to four or whatever it is at the time, and he comes in and just gives up, you know, four more runs. And I could not have asked for a a lower-pressure situation for a guy coming off of injury to try and come in and show that he's getting his stuff back, and he he just couldn't. And I love Jolies Chassin. Super nice guy, really great guy. So glad that he, you know, the, the Rockies mantra of, oh, he wants to be here, but... I think it's maybe getting time for him to either hang it up or or move on. And he was the obvious move, and he's been the obvious move for a little bit, of if you had to DFA a guy, he's probably who you would choose. And I feel like the Rockies avoided doing that because he does fit the mantra of he wants to be here. He's gone a record showing, oh, being back with the Rockies, I'm back home. This is where I want to be. But, you know, while Bob Stevenson has had... A terrible season, admittedly. Uh Chassines has been just so much worse and you know he's he's almost thirty five. He's nearing the end of his career anyway. Mm-hmm. And you could have done the same thing of you designated for assignment, you clear up that forty man roster spot and then reinstate cool. And they chose instead to do that with Bob Stevenson. And I don't necessarily disagree that um, or, or say that they shouldn't have DFA' Bob Stevenson. He's been really bad. And you can definitely see clearing room making sense for either of those guys. Arguably, Chessine and Stevenson are, are the two worst bullpen pitchers on the roster right now. And so one of them had to go. I think regardless of what happened, one of them had to go. Because you don't want to rob the younger guys of playing time this late in the season. And you have these two guys who are very clearly not contributing uh, Chasin has a uh, RWAR of negative one point seven, and then Stevenson's is negative 0.7. Like neither of that is is good or needed on this team right now. When there are young guys that we are probably going to be calling up and seeing later on, when we can be giving you know Chad Smith and Jake Bird and Justin Lawrence the the playing time that they need. And Justin Lawrence is being called back up. He's had what three outings. He's been great. And and really, they've needed to let him just pitch and see if he can he can work through it to really really prove that he's a big league reliever over guys like Chasen and Stevenson. And so it's tough. But if you had to make a call, it was one of the two calls that would have been made. I'm not saying it's the wrong call to have DFA'd Stevenson, but that's just sort of where we're at right now.
0: Yeah, and so we'll we'll just keep this train rolling here. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about, so we'll keep rolling. But if nothing else, it saves them money for next season with either of those yep. guys off the roster. So. For sure. Whatever. But moving right along, uh, something I want to talk about here. Uh, we'll jump on this one here uh, more so. Brendan Rodgers has quietly put together a very good season defensively overall, where I wrote about this in the uh, Sunday Rockpile last week, and the Rockies keep highlighting it in their game notes. That he could potentially be in the mix for a Gold Glove at second base this year. Just my opinion, uh, but he's putting a very good season. Entering, I guess today's games on Friday. So over the season, he leads all of second basemen in defensive runs saved this season in all of baseball with 14. Next closest is Andres uh, Jimenez with Cleveland with eight. So, almost double the amount of DRS at second base in all of baseball. Has the top ultimate zone rating at 5.6. Overall, he's put in a pretty good season and has, in the National League, played the position the most. Is among top leaders in putouts, you no know, assists, double plays turned, innings played at the position. What do you guys think? Does Brendan Rodgers, is he a dark horse candidate to win a gold glove this season? What do you think, Mac? I'm
2: going to cheat and I'm going to cite the article you wrote, Skylar, because, no, I'm like, frankly, like, I wasn't... Like, I think that Brendan Rodgers, you watch him on TV and you say, yeah, this guy's got a solid glove, but I don't think you really think of him as a gold glove mm-hmm. second baseman until you look at some of the advanced stats. So for those listening, if you haven't checked it out yet, Skylar did write an article, Brendan Rodgers is worthy of gold glove consideration on August the 21st. So go back and read that if you haven't already. But to your point, you know... You, at the time, you know, it, it's probably different as the time you guys are listening, but, like, at the time the article was written, Renner Rogers has a 9 point, or excuse me, a 0.981 fielding percentage. And, like, that's not spectacular. Like, it's, it's good. It's solid, but it's not, like, incredible. And so immediately you're like, okay, well, wait. If that's true and he's made some errors, then, like, maybe he's not a gold glover. But to your point... When you get into those defensive runs saved, which are so much higher than every other, um, you know, second baseman in the game, you mentioned all the putouts, assists, and double plays. Well, that makes sense because the Rockies are a high-contact team. A lot of the starting pitchers are, frankly, giving up a lot of balls in play. Sometimes guys against, like Sensatella, they pitch to that, right? He wants his ground balls, and Rodgers and Iglesias get a lot of chances. Other times when Marquez's fastball is getting knocked around like it is this year. It just happens. But either way, Rogers has always been a steady hand out there at second base. Um, and I think when you look at these advanced metrics, you have to talk about him being a goal-glover. You know, I think he makes a really good case for just winning it outright. Um, I don't want to get too much into his overall year, but I think, you know, here in about a month or so, we're going to be having our wrap-up of the year podcast, which will probably be a long one, just talking about the year in general, and one of the things I think we're going to have to talk about is that if there's one positive to take away from this year, and I think there's a few, but one of them has to be the fact that, in my mind, Brendan Rodgers has become a top five second baseman in the game in just about every reasonable metric, one of those being that I think his glove has really developed. Bud Black talks about it a lot, you know, you see it on, on these pregame and postgame interviews, that like Bud Black has a lot of faith in his glove, and I think that there has to be a conversation around his uh, gold glove status. And I think that there's a very strong argument to me that, yeah, Brendan Rogers should absolutely win the Google Glove this year.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I really agree. Um, especially, like, honestly, it's like, oh, is he a dark horse? It's like, he's a dark horse because he plays for the Rockies. And the Rockies have had a bad season. But in general, he shouldn't be because... Like you said, of all National League second basemen, he's got the most innings. He's got that top DRS mark for all second basemen in over, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the next guy up is Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals, who has about half the innings that B-Rod has played. And you d- you definitely look at, you know, early, early in the season, April and May, B-Rod was not doing that great either offensively or defensively. You saw some errors, and overall you saw the, the Rockies infield defense as a whole look really bad. And I think the elevation of Brendan Rodgers is also elevating his teammates, especially someone I've talked about for having, you know, really bad defense, especially early in the season and last year. Jose Iglesias has really cleaned up his game. And I think you can also contribute that the one Iglesias has been in his career a very solid defender. But now he's got an additional very good defender to work with. And you've got Brendan Rodgers, who is... There's no beating around the bush. Brendan Rodgers is the Rockies' most valuable player at this Mm -hmm. point. If you were to end the season right now and ask me, okay, who's the Rockies' MVP? I'm going to tell you it's Brendan Rodgers. Which is a huge step up after, you know, we talked about back in April and May of how much he was struggling, both offensively and defensively. And I think him really hitting stride at the plate has also allowed him to not have to press as much at the glove because he's not pressing as much overall. And you look at this DRS of 14 and you compare it to other positions. So let's talk about third base. Who's the, who's going to win the gold glove? Well, you know, it's probably going to be Nolan Aranato again with his 15 DRS. And you know, that's only one more DRS than, than B-Rod has at second base. Or you look at uh, shortstop, and the the top DRS at that position is the Astros' Jeremy Pena with 14. All right, that matches Brendan Rodgers. You, You look at all these other positions in the infield, and Brendan Rodgers is just, he's been one of the best defenders. He's really put a difficult start to the season behind him, and you've seen him put in the work. Uh, Mac, you've discussed this. We've seen it on on TV and we've discussed it previously of him working with Stu Cole and the other coaches before games with the ground ball machine, putting in the extra work with the glove to improve his defense at a position that was not his native position. Renner Rogers was a shortstop, shortstop for a long, long time, expected to be the heir apparent at shortstop. And then it was, you know, uh, with Trevor Story seemingly locked in and, and DJ LeMayhew departing, That was when they really made the conscious decision to move him to second base a couple years ago. And it wasn't necessarily a smooth transition. And Roger's glove work was not necessarily always the highlight of his prospect profile. But if you look at where he's at now, he is just really really good and he's not always making the flashy plays because second base is not always the position where you're going to make a ton of flashy plays you you think back to dj lemahue who was a just stalwart defender of second base and he had some flashy plays but for the most part it's it's just really solid second base defense and that's what brandon Rodgers is doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you combine that with just how good his bat has been since he busted out of that slump I'm I'm thrilled to death, and I definitely think Brandon Rogers should be in in the running for the Gold Glove, if not winning it outright. In addition to other awards, I I think he could potentially uh, win like the Silver Slugger for second baseman mm-hmm. because he's been one of the better hitting second basemen in the league as well. But it all just wraps around to show just how good Brendan Rodgers has been this year. After such a difficult start, we were all going, Oh, I don't know. This is really rough and he's got to work through it. And, you know, I wrote a, a lengthy article of like, what are we going to do about this? What, what's is to be done about the Brendan Rodgers problem. And now he's here and he's exactly what the Rockies need him to be going forward. And he's still pretty young too. And I know he doesn't look it cause he's got the, the, the beer and the mullet that definitely tack on a, a couple years to him, but he just turned 26, like a week or two ago. So this is a guy where we've got our second baseman of the future locked up.
0: Yeah. and It's pretty important, and I I'm want to go back to this glove conversation. Uh, so on, on Fangraphs here, there's like four qualified, if you put in the, the filters for the qualified second baseman, it only brings up four guys that count as qualified on Fangraphs. Jake Cronenworth, B-Rod, Cesar Hernandez, and Colton Wong. Of those four, only Hernandez has played more innings at second than Rogers, and just 54 more innings. He has a negative 6 DRS, a .5 ultimate zone rating, uh, a DEF of negative 0.1. So yeah, he has a better no fielding percentage, but Hernandez isn't really helping anybody defensively. Mm-hmm. Next closest, Colton Wong, negative 2 DRS. Cronenworth, 3. Um, Colton Wong has a negative 4.5 ultimate zone rating. So uh, you can look at those stats in Rogers. You no. Know, what's nice is, Gold Glove, nothing matters what he's doing with the bat, but that it's just the nice he's got both sides of the ball locked down now. Totally. So who knows?
2: It's like wild how not close it is. Yeah. In a way. Like that like I didn't realize it was that much distance between the, him and
1: other players. That's crazy. Yeah, he has flat out been one of the, if not the best second basemen in major league baseball this year. But but that's Evan
0: crazy. and Mack, he has ten errors in lead second baseman.
1: Dude. Five of the Everybody's gonna have errors. Like that that's it's one of the things we talked about earlier, like how we've talked about how the Rockies have one of the best batting averages in all of baseball right now. But it's an empty stat without context it's the same with fielding percentage and it's the same with errors without context those stats are empty they are meaningless the rockies have a lot of errors this is true this does not necessarily mean that they are a terrible defensive team even though they have had some really sloppy defense at times what it means is that they are having far more plays on the ball on the ground in the infield Mm -hmm. than most other teams which is Absolutely true. They lead the league in double plays turned, or if if they're not currently leading the league, they are one of the, the top teams. Mm-hmm. And they also lead the league in, or one of the league leaders in ground balls fielded. Because this team is a pitch-to-contact team. A lot of the pitchers, especially Kyle Freeland and Antonio Sanzatela, their job is to make the ball be on the ground for the infielders to handle. And so that is why, you're gonna have more errors because you're having more opportunities to have more errors. And I I said this last year that if you look specifically at errors, there's plenty of other guys who have had had errors to look at. And like Nolan Arenado is not playing error free baseball, but he's still probably gonna be the unanimous third base gold glove winner. It's it's all about context. Exactly. It's all about adding context to make fielding percentage and make errors not be empty stats yeah. because in my opinion DRS and UZR uh over over innings played for me are my way more important stats in terms of evaluating actual defense when you're not looking at the context of what is causing that fielding percentage mm-hmm.
0: and and something to the context of those 10 errors as of recording five have been fielding five have been throwing Five of them came in the month of May across four wow. games, and that was it. Now, uh, wow. Other than that, the other 10 have been spread across April, mm-hmm. June, July, August. So
2: That's pretty wild. You
0: take out the month of May, even just take out four games out of the month of May, and Brendan Rodgers has maybe five errors instead.
2: That's crazy. So,
0: And he has 344 assists. That's nearly... A little, over, little less than 100 more than the next closest with Hernandez. So it, he's, like Evan said, I think that's a perfect point. Rockies get way more chances on the field, and Rodgers is making the most of those opportunities. Yep. So if if, if like you're a defensive first player, you got to be chomping at the bit, sometimes looking at Colorado like, man, I can be really useful and show off my skills with the glove. Mm-hmm. And Rodgers is doing that. Mm-hmm.
1: And it really is like, it's, it's all back to the early amount of the season. If you go back and you look at Brendan Rogers, how he's played statistically since the end of, since the end of May, everything has just been, been perfectly ticking into alignment for him. So like he, he had those five errors in May and only five errors since then. So in three months, five errors, It's really nothing to cough at at all. And combine that with how he's hit, you'd be talking him up way more in terms of, I don't want to say like MVP, but as one of the more valuable players in all of baseball. If you just erased his April from from existence, I feel like way more people would be talking about just how good Brendan Rodgers is. Because since April, he's hit 310. And then if you erase the errors in May... And you, if you're only looking at from June to to right now, if that was his whole season and he didn't have the baggage of that really tough start, more people would be talking about how good Brandon Rodgers has been mm-hmm. because he definitely deserves it. And it's tough because he did have that rough start. But if anything, he deserves <laughs> even more praise because he leveraged such a bad start, both with the glove and with the bat into a really excellent season Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and he should be incredibly proud of himself and I hope he is you know I I haven't had a had a chance to 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 talk with him or really hear how he's feeling about that but he should be incredibly proud of he took a season that by his own admission he wishes he could just pretend never happened and turned things around so immensely that he is without a doubt right now the Rockies' most valuable player on this team and one of the best hitting and fielding second baseman in the entire league. Mm-hmm. So
0: hopefully, by season's end, he's going to take home some hardware because after a season where the Rockies got snubbed last year, we desperately need something to be happy about.
1: After <laughs> Ryan McMahon could have won the gold glove at both third and second last year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it hopefully... No, as always the awards season it's still biased popularity contest at times. Yep. No. The awards voting is still a little bit more it's not as bad as all star voting. But <laughs> it's still you no. Know, maybe Tommy Edmonds somehow does get nominated. Oh, we're gonna put him at second base, even though he's only played like five hundred innings there and give it to him since he won it last year. Um hopefully we don't get that Isaiah Kiner falefa Thing when he was with the Rangers, yeah. But uh, so we'll yes. be on the lookout. But that's something to, to keep an eye on as the season winds down. Of, you no, know, bet your everything you got on Brendan Rogers I think he's got a really good chance for it, but only time will tell. So we'll go ahead and take a break here, my friends. When we come back, we'll talk Rymac a bit, and then we got some a little bit like storylines through the end of the season. Want to get some takes from you on? So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude, where 60% of the time, this works every time. Nice. Nice. Still sticking around. Nice. We're talking now about our good buddy, Ryan McMahon, who's kind of had a up and down season. I want to talk about him just for a little bit here. Interesting season. He signs that big you no, know, six-year extension during spring training. No, we had big hopes for him to finally, you know, his glove finally appeared last season. You no, know, one a, a gold glove finalist at third base. Doesn't win it. We signed that extension to him this year, hoping that he can finally break through and become that staple in the lineup defensively and offensively. And unfortunately, 2022 hasn't been the best year for Ryan McMahon. He's been picking things up a little bit as of late, but overall through the season, not exactly what we had hoped for from Ryan McMahon on both sides of the ball, where he struggled offensively, he struggled defensively. Kind of an interesting season for Ryan McMahon. And I want to start with our own Mac here. Hmm. What's been kind of your perception of Ryan McMahon this year?
2: Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. You know, much like a lot of different Rockies, um, they've all kind of gone through, and baseball always has hot and colds, but I think really specifically, a lot of Rockies started off very, very slow, and have started to pick it up recently. So, you know, we talk a lot about Brendan Rodgers' April was pretty brutal. Rymax was okay. He had 261, he had a couple bombs, he had 13 RBI. Not bad. Not, not, you know, not awful. You get into May, and uh, May was not as good. You know, 232, A couple more home runs, non-RBI. We're not seeing the power, I think, that a lot of fans wanted out of RyMac in that time frame. Only five home runs through May total. Like, that's not really what, you know, you want out of your guy that is usually slotted as the number maybe four, five, six hitter, right? You really want a bit more power out of his bat. Uh, June is probably his uh, best month so far, Um, or excuse me, his worst month so far. He only hit 217. Um, and this is, again, throughout this first start, we're really seeing that glove start to have some holes in it. Um, metaphorically. And literally. Right? Not physically, like we saw you know, last week. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like, he's really struggling throughout this first start of the season, this, this first sort of half. July, you know, he does a little better at 221, but, again, only two home runs that month, six RBI, striking out, you know, in... About a quarter of visit bats which isn't like horrible but like he's really just kind of going through these these patches these months where in addition to the average being down the power is not there and i think with a guy like ryan mcmahon especially this you know he's kind of sat in that six seven spot you don't necessarily need him to be a high average guy especially because the rockies have jose iglesias is a high average guy this year which is surprising but it is you know he's he's their highest average guy this year we just talked about Brendan Rodgers has been great, high-average guy. C.J. Crone, for the first half, was a very high-average guy. You don't need Ryan McMahon to hit 300, but that's why they wanted that power out of him that I think they've seen flashes of these last few seasons, and they didn't get that through the first few months of the season. Now, as Skyler alluded to, August has been a complete resurgence. So far in August, we're recording on the 26th, which is a Friday. He's hitting 320. he He's got five home runs this month, which is the most of any month this this season, 15 RBI. Is playing very solid defense, minus, again, that one weird day where his glove ripped in half or whatever. And he's really come on. And this is the Ryan McMahon that I think Rockies fans were expecting to see with that six-year deal. Ryan McMahon is a really interesting case in the Rockies system right now because a lot of the guys that you see in the lineup are not necessarily part of the... Respectfully, they're not necessarily part of the long-term vision of the team. We talk a lot about the Tovars and the Veens, and the olivarezes of the world and these guys that are going to be the next generation of rockies the guys that are going to get them back into playoff contention and a lot of the guys you currently see in the lineup are probably not part of that vision right the 2020 let's say five six seven rockies that are, we're hoping to be those big playoff contending teams no offense to any of these guys but the randall grichicks the jose iglesias the, the CJ Cro whatever the whatever the you know, the plural of that is, the CJ Crones, those players are probably not going to be part of those teams. But Ryan McMahon likely is. You know, a six year deal carries Ryan McMahon through the twenty twenty eight season. He's going to be around for a lot of those, you know, the these come ups. And so Ryan McMahon is going to be the veteran in that clubhouse. It's gonna be him and Chris Bryant. Those are the two bats that you're going to see as staples in the Rockies lineup. Brendan Rogers, too, right? Uh, guys like that. But I think especially Rymac, he's been around for a little bit now. We've seen him, you know, we've seen what he can do. And so I'm really hoping as we finish out the rest of 2022 that Rymac can finish out strong. That's the biggest thing for a lot of the Rockies, right? Just finish out strong, you know, obviously disappointing season. That's Okay. We're almost out of August. He's played very well in August. Let's get through September. Let's have the same sort of production in September so that he can enter into next season saying, okay, I found my stroke. I found my swing in the latter sort of third of the season. Let me carry that over into April. We could have a very, we probably are going to have a pretty different looking Rockies team in 2024. 23, I think you're going to see a lot of the same names, the Crones, like I said, maybe the Grichicks, things like that. But Tw- shoot, maybe even the Iglesias is Iglesias-i. Uh But the 2024 Rockies, Ryan McMahon, I think, is going to have that leadership presence in the clubhouse. And this is really that time for him to sink his teeth into this opportunity that says, okay, great. I had a rough, you know, two-thirds of the season, but this last third is an opportunity for me to finish out in a positive manner and really show that I can be this contributor, everyday contributor to the Rockies lineup. And, sidebar... We've recently seen him at the top of the lineup. I like it. I like Ryan McMahon batting, too. I I think it's a good look for this lineup specifically. I think Ryan McMahon out of of the two-hole or the one-hole makes a lot of sense right now, Um, and it's clearly working for him. So, uh, you know, the lone run the Rockies got off of uh, Jacob deGrom, the best pitcher in the game, was a Ryan McMahon solo shot. So, uh, you know, really happy with what we're seeing recently the errors we mentioned contextualized i think make a bit more sense and and they came in bunches at the start of the season too since then um very very solid i'm trying not to make too many jokes about the holes in his glove but in general um yeah very happy what we're seeing recently out of rimac let's let's get through the rest of 2022 and let's get into 2023 showing that you can be that guy that's that's not to put too much pressure on them, but that can live up to that six-year deal. And that's how I feel about that.
1: <laughs> uh, I think the plural of Iglesias is, is Iglesii. Iglesii, yeah. Iglesii. And the plural for Crone would be Cronices.
2: Yeah, the Cronesies, of course. Of course.
1: I want to I talk about that defense a little bit more. So, Mac, you really touched on a lot of the offensive stuff. Mm-hmm. And just very quickly, I'll say... Ryan McMahon, we know he has the potential to be sort of the big bopper. He's had multiple Mm -hmm. 20 home run seasons. Mm -hmm. And I think just as we've touched on before, the the Rockies hitting coaching staff and their sort of lack of an overall transparent philosophy for hitting, I think really hurts Ryan McMahon because we know that he's not going to hit for average and he's hitting the ball hard. He's He's got one of the better hard hit percentages on the team. But he just hasn't been able to parlay that into much success this year until until this latter stretch. And I would love to see uh, him definitely work on some stuff in the offseason with some different coaches to have a fresh new approach coming into the 2023 season. But, you know, he's finding his stride right now offensively, and that's awesome. The big thing that was hurting Ryan McMahon earlier in the season, um, in addition to yeah, his bat not really being where we expected it to be was that that defense was looking really rough for him. And you look at it of, oh, well, he's got the uh, he's got 14 errors on the season and he had all of these other issues. And you, you contextualize that with, all right, so he just lost Trevor Story, one of the better defensive shortstops, and traded that in for Jose Iglesias, who was coming off of a, a pretty difficult season in terms of his defense. One of where last year he was one of the worst defenders in the league. And, you know, we've seen Iglesias really put it together. And we've seen Brandon Rogers really put it together. And you know what? We've seen Ryan McMahon really put it together. Because of those 14 errors, nine of them were in the first two months of the season. And we talked about this with Brandon Rogers, where the the errors are really front-loaded. And we've seen Ryan McMahon adjust and get a lot better. And, you know, he he's still going to have errors because, as we've discussed, the Rockies are a ground-ball-heavy team that requires a lot on fielding the ball. But the fact that he's only had, like Brendan Rodgers, five since May ended, that is, I think, a testament to that he is still a really good defensive third baseman. And we've, we've seen him make these amazing plays. And if you look at the the DRS he is still one of the best defensive third basemen in the league with his 10 DRS um, uh, up there with Josh Donaldson and Ramon uh, Urias and only three people ahead of him with uh, Kib Ryan Hayes and Nolan Arenado and Jace Peterson. And he's got the most innings played at third base of any of those players. He's got more innings at third base than Nolan Arenado and only five less DRS he's playing good defensive baseball right now and it's a shame that much like Brendan Rodgers, that struggle at the beginning of the season has really changed how a lot of people are looking at him because he has been good defensively and you look at that most recent error where it went through his glove how much of a freak accident was that where he was talking about that glove was his his baby glove for his professional career. He's been using it since he was playing A ball. And now just at that time is when the glove decided to go. But that's just one error, the one only error that he's had in the entire month of August. He's been he's been so much better and he's not getting enough credit for it. And I think it is largely because he had that difficult start and you combine that with the with the contract that he signed in the off season for the extension and people are, you know, expecting the world of him and because he's not delivering the world, people are, are pretty down on him and I I don't think that's really fair. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think you guys both covered this perfectly. You no, know, exactly what I was hoping out of the conversation where I think there's coming in bunches and just the effect they had on the game and it just fit into this even bigger narrative where the Rockies team as a whole was struggling defensively where no, it does hurt the perception. And just like Rogers, they've both done spectacular jobs of cleaning things back up. Don't get back to a a natural, what we'd expect from them. And Mm -hmm. they can take the lessons learned from this year, apply them to next year, and hopefully no, have very clean, very, enhanced defensive glove work which as we know with the Rockies that is a priority for them they need clean Mm -hmm. pristine defense when they're going to have their pitchers throw ground balls a lot so
1: and we definitely got spoiled because we had Coors shield for so long where we had the infield of Nolan Arenado Trevor Story and DJ LeMahieu and then despite having some rotating first baseman the, you know, really pristine infield defense. And when we didn't immediately have that, despite all three of those players now being gone, I think people were a little, you know, over-expecting of the infield defense coming into this year. You know, and, and myself included, I I was definitely very frustrated at all the errors because, you know, the Rockies were definitely playing some sloppy baseball and they've continued to do that. But we've seen the two guys that really matter in this infield defense right now, the two guys that are long term with this team, Brendan Rogers and Ryan McMahon, really step it up in terms of defense and, and be back to or be at where we need them to be and where we want them to be.
0: Mm-hmm. So we need. And hey, mm-hmm. defensive future looks, is looking bright too, just like Mac talked about before. The guys that are coming up. Ezekiel Tovar. No, even Zach Veen and some of the other guys. Other guys' glove work is going to be an important aspect of their game that they're all continually working on. And hey, they're getting ready, so it's exciting mm-hmm. for the future. We always love good defense. Well, before we we close out the show here, my friends, uh, I just kind of bring it back, Max' old thing of the walk, strikeout, home run type of game sure. conversation. Or I was trying to figure out just kind of some storylines. Or things that are kind of coming through this last bit of the season. And so, as always, I'll kind of read out this idea. And you guys will designate whether it's a walk. So, walk is like, yeah, give or take, a maybe. Strikeout is, yeah, no way. And home run's like, yeah, you knocked it out of the park. This is happening, type of thing. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Hopefully it makes sense to you You at home. Or wherever you are, driving (laughs) down the street. And... The people that you meet get along with each other.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go in a completely different, uh, different direction, and I was going to levy that into the Magic School Bus theme.
0: Oh, that's actually my first question. Is the Magic School Bus going to
1: do an episode about the Rockies? <laughs> Home run. Home run.
0: We'll travel <laughs> inside of the brain trust of the Colorado Rockies and just see what's going Let's on do in it. there. Okay, so here's my first one. Riley Pint will get a big league debut this season. Walk, strikeout, home run. We'll start with Evan.
1: I'm actually pretty confident in this. I'm going to say home run. Um, mm. I think Riley Pint has... He's done a lot this season in terms of showing how much he is, he has developed. He was really solid in Hartford and so far in A Albuquerque. Uh, extremely limited sample size, obviously. But he's he's been pitching well, and I honestly think that the Rockies are going to call him up in September because they need to see is this the guy that we're going to be keeping long term? Um, he is a excuse me he's a uh, he's a minor league free agent at the end of the season, and they've also got Rule Five protections that they need to keep in mind. And I think seeing what they've got in Riley Pink to finish off the season is a in my opinion a surefire thing. All right. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mac?
2: I think it's a good argument. I'm going to stick with Walk, though. I think that Riley Pint getting a debut this season would be very cool. Um, you know, in a season that is going the way this is, I think it's all about those human interest stories, Wynn Bernard and guys like that. Riley Pint's one of those as a guy that retired and could finally make it to the, you know, big league stage. But at the same time, because of that limited sample size, I'm a little bit tenuous on whether or not they're going to call him up i think that they definitely want to look at Riley pint you know see what he's got in the future but we've never accused the rockies of calling guys up um you know at a time we feel that it makes sense for them to uh respectfully and so i think that because the sample size is so limited they're going to be a little bit more antsy about calling him up and exposing him to the big league stage without more time in the triple a system so I definitely could see it happening, but I'm not going to hedge my bets on it, so I'm going to stick with Locke for that scenario.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All righty, then. Moving right along. Uh, here's the next one. We will see Chris Bryant make a return before the season is done, even, even if he only appears for one at bat. Will we see him? let uh, I see. I'm going to mm.
2: – I'm going to say it's a walk. I, I think that it like we talked about this last podcast and I think it makes virtually no sense to have him come back this season. I think you gain basically nothing, but at the same time, ball players are very proud, I think, and the Rockies want to get what they can out of Bryant, especially, you know, in the first season of his big, you know, contract, one of the, one of the more, I would say nationally recognized contracts in Rockies history. So I would say it's entirely possible that he's going to take some, respectfully, pretty meaningless at-bats. And and I think they wouldn't look at them as meaningless just because, again, they want him to get back into baseball shape and whatever, but I I see no point in doing it. So it's a strikeout as far as, like, should they, but it's a walk as far as will they.
0: (laughs) Skirting the questions here. I'm going to say, I'm I'm not
1: going to skirt it, I'm going to say strikeout. I yeah. think there are, there are what, 35 games left in the season. We've had basically no updates. He has not done any baseball activities. He's still in a walking boot. Mm-hmm. Um, his diagnosis of plantar fasciitis is not only extremely painful, but it does take a very long time to recover from. It can take upwards of six months of recovery time. And I understand that the front office has been very noncommittal about whether he's going to return, Bud Black especially, but with only 35 or so games left this season, I don't see it happening. And it's okay. for the best, honestly. Yeah. Dig it. So,
0: the last update, uh, he undergone, so this is back on the 24th, undergone a platelet rich plasma injection and then will be reevaluated in seven to 10 days. That was two days ago. He's got a few injections this year. Yeah. And he's a regular old pincushion.
1: Yeah. Injection of cash at the beginning of the season. Hey. Injection of cash. To go no, all but like P- PRP <laughs> treatment is great, but it's only going to do so much, and you know, I don't want him playing in like severe pain. Totally. totally. When we can just focus on having him up to speed for next spring. Yeah, big and memory. I think the the Rockies make a lot of silly choices. I don't think they're going to make this one.
2: Yeah, Take
1: it. I think they've been non-committal because they don't want to face the backlash of. That they that they have already been facing. Of they paid this guy a lot of money and he's played forty two games, but no, nah, he's not coming back this season.
0: Right on. Yeah, I could see if anything. Just trying to get him back, like you mentioned, just to get him. Say hey, he's ready for baseball shape, but mm-hmm. it's still a. Mm-hmm. rocky's injuries are weird. Where guys just mm-hmm. disappear and we never see him again. Like you forget that. Bryant plays for the Rockies. <laughs> Alrighty. Moving on. The Rockies will avoid one hundred losses.
1: Oh.
0: strike Strikeout home run. It's a tough one. This is a very tough, one. A tough one. As of right now, we're fifty four and seventy two as of August as of August twenty fifth. Before they play here on this Friday.
2: And, and there are 35 games left?
1: Yes, 32. Uh, roughly. I think they can still hit the century mark. It's tough. They have to
0: win. Let's see. I'm bad at math here. They have 54 Same. wins. I'm horrible at math. So however many it does to get to 63... <laughs>
1: Uh, I think they have to win, like, six more games or something like that. Um, No, eight more games. I'm bad at math. Um, (laughs) No, nine more games. I'm really bad at math. (laughs) No, Uh, ten more. more games. if they have 54 wins and there are 162 games in the season and they need to win at least 62 to avoid the... They need 63 to avoid 100 losses. Yeah, so nine games. They need to win nine games. The, the struggle of us trying to do math on the Dude, spots. this is rough. We, <laughs> look, we write about baseball. We don't write about math, okay? Cut this part out, please. <laughs> no, um, I'm going to leave it because it makes me look really bad, too. So it's, I'm going to say... It's equality right here. We all look dumb as bricks.
2: <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty rough. I'm going to say it's a home run on this, then. If the Rockies have to win nine of their... So they basically have to play like 350 baseball, essentially. Like... They have to they have to play three thirty three baseball over the last month and a week or so, not even yeah, like a month and a week of the season, and they have to win like nine more games, ten more games, like yeah. I don't think they're gonna go ten and like twenty one or whatever. Like that's gonna be like I agree that the Rockies are not a great team. Uh but but no, I, I don't think they're gonna lose hundred games. They'll probably I mean, they'll probably lose like ninety four. You know what I mean? They might they might lose ninety seven. But I don't think they're going to lose a hundred games. Now I will say, if they're still looking for two or three of those wins when they go to close the season out in LA, then this conversation might be a little bit different when they play six in a row to finish out their season at Chavez Ravine. But until then, no, I don't think the Rockies are going to lose 100 games this year.
1: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree. Um, yeah. The Rockies are bad. They're not that bad. Um, I definitely think that they are at risk of losing over 95 games. Definitely. And having definitely one of their worst seasons in franchise history but they're not going to lose 100 games i think the i think realistically um they're just not going to considering how much of the season is left and that they only really need to win those nine games to avoid it and it's entirely possible that they lose 99 games maybe they win they win those nine and then lose every other game Mm -hmm. but I, I would agree, I think, home run, that they're not going to lose 100. Dang it.
0: So just looking up here real quick, uh, they've lost 90 games in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 seasons. <laughs> okay. The worst was 2012 when they lost 98, and then 2014 they lost 96, and then they lost 95 in both 2005 and 1993, lost 94 in 2004 and 2015, and then 2019 they lost 91. And then in 1999, they lost 90. So those are kind of the benchmarks at the mm-hmm. low bar that's been set.
2: You said 98 yeah. was in 2012? Yes. That was uh, Jim Tracy, yes. right?
0: Uh, we don't talk about 2012.
1: That was Josh Rutledge season.
2: Oh, the J- 2012
1: yeah,
0: never Rutledge. happened.
2: Josh Rutledge, uh, for those of you watching the Orioles broadcast uh, yesterday,
1: one the of the, the best home runners home with the words R-U-T. In <laughs> <days>. <laughs> All time, <laughs> it baby. With
2: rut. The important stats.
1: Nah, I think it's a tough bar to clear, as it were, that we're going to lose as many games as 2012. Definitely still possible. Definitely possible we lose 99 games, but I just don't think 100 is going to happen. I think we're probably going to hit 97 losses. I think this is going to be the second worst uh, record in franchise history. There it is. There's a the prediction.
0: Yeah, 72 losses at the moment they'd have to lose uh, what, 28 games to close out the season over the next month and or so so they got plenty of chances to get nine wins so hmm. it's, they're going to be cutting it close though
1: yep yeah especially considering how much we're on the road for the last part of going to say
2: mm-hmm. a lot of and, September is taking place away from course
1: which which definitely hurts the chances so who knows maybe in a month and a half we all look very foolish for being optimists, (laughs) but
2: as we so often do.
0: Okay. Here's the next one that kind of goes in tangent with that. Currently the Rockies are 33 and a half games back of first place in the division. The team worst record for most games back at a first place was in 1993 with 37 Rockies are currently 2022 season is currently third in games back do the Rockies meet will the, the Rockies will meet or break that record
2: they're they're currently 33 33 and a half games back and the most was 37 yes. oh home run oh for sure they could hit 40 like like i agree that like the Rockies will not win 100 game or will not lose 100 games but the Dodgers could like the Dodgers are obscenely like you have a combination of a of a mediocre to very bad Rockies team, and maybe the greatest Dodgers team of all time. Like, oh yeah, it is that one, I would say, shoot, maybe of all the questions you've asked so far, I would put money on that one. They would have to they have to lose four games of ground? Oh, for sure. Oh, that's a done deal. That's happening.
1: I agree, especially the Dodgers are on a historic pace. They yes. are they are on pace to break the seattle mariners 2001 record for regular season wins which is 116 and the rockies are bad and the uh, the diamondbacks are bad and the rockies are worse than the diamondbacks i think the rockies definitely finish this season very comfortably in last place in the division but also no definitely i think they break that that record sure. i think max entirely right that could possibly we like 40 games or more back in oh, the yeah. division at the end of the season it's just it's unfair at this point the dodgers are crazy crazy good
0: isn't it weird that the four seasons that are the worst on this list three of them have happened within the last four years 2021 Yay. was 32 and a half back 2022 is 33 and a half and then 2019 was 35 back i hate the dodgers, the dodgers and have i been wish good, our man. team was better
1: yeah, it's Dodgers it's just the been... unfortunate combination of the Dodgers hitting an extremely good part of their history and the Rockies just sinking into oblivion.
2: It's it's weird because the Dodgers have only been incredible for maybe the last like four or five years, but it feels now that it's been forever. Maybe it's, it's just to me. Maybe this might just because we have to play
1: like, them so often. Yeah, why.
2: like it it feels like the Dodgers have been like this untouchable juggernaut, like the Braves were in the nineties. For, like, years now, even though that's, like, not really the case. I don't know. That's just me.
1: No, I totally feel it, and it's because we play them so often. I think it's going to feel a little bit better next year when the schedule's more evenly divvied up and we're playing every team in the league and playing the Dodgers less, thank God, because it definitely is. We play so many games against the Dodgers, and they usually kick our teeth in Mm -hmm. in the division and in the games, and so... Like and, and and we think about it, the Dodgers didn't even win the division last year. Yeah. And yet they were still, like, what, a 108-win team? Yep. Yeah. Fun stuff. Gross. Yeah.
0: Okay, we'll... Got another one? One last one, because we're running a little Let's long, long so we'll end it here. Uh, CJ Krohn will reach 30 home runs.
2: He has how many?
0: Uh, he's at 24. Evan, you're up.
1: I remember he I'm gonna say walk I wish I could say home run but with how he has been slumping recently like we talked about last week it is not I think he lost a lot of ground um struggling here in August and and after the all-star break it's not impossible like I also don't think it's impossible for Ryan McMahon to hit 20 home runs Hmm. and there's plenty of season left for them to do that and I think six home runs in a month and a half is not unreasonable but I re- we really need to see the Krohn zone come back before I could confidently say that is a surefire thing. So I'm going to go with walk.
2: I'm also going to say walk, but I'm sorry I'm leaning towards strikeout. Like, I'm going to say walk for all the same reasons Evan said, just because, like, a month and a half in the season. Like, baseball is so weird. He could hit six home runs by the time we get on this podcast next. You know what I mean? Like, anything could happen. But I just think Evan nailed it. Like, CJ Krohn respectfully looks like he looks like a completely different baseball player uh as opposed to we did pre-all-star break and not in the way that you would like um he's struggled a lot he is striking out a lot He has not hit for power i know he had a home run the other day uh against the was it the rangers um he had a home run at some point in the last like week or so uh it was a big come from behind home run so that was a great little moment for him but uh even so like it's just it, the power is not been there for him the recognition of pitches has not been there for him um I would love to revisit this the end of the at the end of the season and say yep he got to that 30 homer mark but I just you know I'll say walk because you never know and it certainly is possible but I'm going to lean towards strikeout because I think he's uh he's he's looking pretty rough recently yeah
0: I think this if he doesn't reach it this would just be the second or just the first time in Rocky's history where the team has failed to have a player reach 30 home runs in consecutive seasons. Something like that. Wow! Somebody'd have to fact check me on that. First time ever? It was like 2005. They didn't have anybody reach 30 home runs.
2: That's crazy. And
1: so, it's something like that. That's wild. It's such a disappointing milestone. And we know that this team has been bad at hitting for power Um one of the lowest rates of home runs in, in team history, like we talked about mm-hmm. last week, behind like 93 and 94, the expansion years.
2: Did he have 30 home runs last no. season?
1: 29. Who did? Nobody.
0: Sick. <laughs> Good. So, <laughs> so I, I'm fairly certain that this would be the first time in back-to-back seasons that the Rockies haven't had a player yep. hit 30 home runs. Wow! yeah, it's depressing if you go look back through home run totals over the season. You'll find some weird stats. We're also on pace for the least amount of home runs in team history this year,
1: aside from 2020. Oh, wow. And it's, what's really not looking good about that is you look at our team batting and CJ Krohn with his 24 is the only hitter above 20 home runs. Charlie Blackman, with his 16, is one of two over 15. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we only have five total players with double-digit home runs. That's CJ Crone, Charlie Blackman, uh, 24-16. Ryan McMahon and uh, Randall Gritchick both have 13, and then B-Rod has 11.
0: Ooh, goodness. The Blake Street (laughs) Ground
1: Ballers. Like, please... Please that's, get us oh, a new hitting coach and a different hitting philosophy because as much as you want to be a pitching and defense team, you still got to have some offense. It doesn't matter how well your pitcher pitches if that's you don't sad. give him any run support. And we saw this with Jacob deGrom uh, the last couple of years where it became a verb of getting Degrommed, of your pitcher throws a basically flawless outing, but you still lose because you didn't get any run support Mm
0: -hmm. home runs win ball games and on that That depressing note (laughs) (laughs) good (laughs) we're gonna close it out here uh thank you so much as always for joining along with us here and (laughs) talking or listening to us each and every week uh mac where can the folks find you
2: yeah man uh hit me up uh twitter um that's the one i'm on most often which is at MacWilcoxCBP. Always happy to talk some Rockies baseball or, you know, the Kingdom Hearts Dark Road finale or whatever else y'all want to talk about. Uh, Evdog, where are you at?
1: Uh, you can find me at evanlang Evan underscore 27 on the tweeters. And you can also find me on www.purplerow.com along with all of our other wonderful writers and contributors for our fantastic little slice of the internet. Sick. Uh, I would love to hear from you, and you can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. Skylar, how about you? Where, where are the folks finding me at?
0: Wherever the thunder touches the leaves. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. I like that. <laughs> That's way cooler than mine. Uh, you can also find <laughs> me on Twitter at at sideline underscore crowd. Fun stuff, always talking jokes, try to share my facts, my weird opinions. And memes. My memes. Uh...
2: The memes are—you are come for you go for the facts, you stay for the there memes.
0: <laughs> and the weird jokes then just never work out. <laughs> it's a Good favorite stuff, but that's going to do it here for this edition. Thank you, as always. We'll see you next time. Hit them with it, Mac.
2: Farewell. Nailed it.